Ever have a conversation with your girlfriend that was so good you wish it had been recorded? Think those conversations would be great to be able to share? Wondering if there's support or research for the recommendations your smart girlfriends give about mental, spiritual, and physical health? This podcast was born to answer those kinds of questions. Hello, I'm Sherry Coleman Collins, registered dietitian nutritionist, and here with me in the studio is my girlfriend, Dee Wilson. We're excited to have you joining us for this edition of the Southern Fried Girlfriends podcast. Dee, how are you today? I'm doing great, Sherry. How are you? I am awesome. I am uh, looking forward to some sunshine today. It is a beautiful day it's here. So pretty. <laughs> So Dee, today's show is about one of those really fun and interesting topics in nutrition, and it's always a surprise to people when they hear me talk about this. And really, it's something that a lot of people don't want to talk about, but you know me, I like to talk about things nobody else likes to talk about. So today, we're going to talk about fat. So why are people surprised to hear you talk about fat? Because I have such a positive outlook on fat. delicious. (laughs) Exactly. It really is. And I think a lot of people have this misunderstanding or this misperception about me as a dietitian. You know, they they always, well, I think a lot of people think that dietitians are the food police. Oh, uh, food Nazi was what went through my head. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And, you know, I mean, I think that 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 perception was earned by people maybe, you know, before me and my generation of (laughs) dietitians. Dietitians, you know, I think that there definitely was this um, this time in our history as professionals where we were really regulating calories and and very uh, much the 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 food police. Oh, I will tell you, I when you first started working with us that I was like, she's going to walk through the kitchen and look at my lunch and tell me everything that's wrong with it. And you've never done that. No, not at all. Yeah. I mean, I love food and I love to eat and I live in the real world and I love fat. And so for me, like this topic is, I think something that again, it's like a liberating kind of topic around food. And I believe that the more you know about good food and nutrition, the more you can eat and the more freely you can eat. And I want to do that. And I want to help people do that. Oh, I love that. The more you can eat. That's right. I love to eat. (laughs) I do too. So um, as we get started, I think I want to start with sort of the positive reasons, right? The reasons that we need fat in our food and in our lives. So we do need it. Yes, absolutely. We definitely do. I mean, nobody needs to live. Well, I won't say nobody. There are certainly clinical situations where fat needs to be very tightly regulated, but those are the absolute you know, exceptions. The mm-hmm. average person needs to be eating fat and we need to be eating enough of it in order to provide satisfaction and joy and, um, and also to meet some of the needs that our bodies actually have. So let's talk a little bit about that. Okay. And for me, I have a list of six things, but the number one reason <laughs> is my favorite and that is that fat adds flavor and texture and it makes food more satisfying. Fat actually is um, harder to digest, and so it takes a little bit longer, and it makes you feel fuller longer. So when you eat food that has fat in it, it tastes good, and it sticks with you a little bit longer, and that's a good thing. It is a good thing. I'm just imagining, like, things that have been crisped up in, like, olive oil, and they're so crispy and tasty. Yum! (laughs) I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I just went left there. So fat's (laughs) a good thing, and, you know, and we're going to give some caveats, so I'm not suggesting that we should go crazy and, you know, 
bathe ourselves in, you know, bathtubs full of ice cream that we suck through a straw. Why not? That sounds kind of interesting. (laughs) Cold, but um, (laughs) the second thing is that we need fat for our body to make the hormones that do all kinds of things for us. So our body actually synthesizes hormones from fat. So dietary fat is essential to making sure that our bodies have the building blocks to make the hormones that we need. I've never heard that. Yeah, it's a true story. The third thing is that yeah. phospholipids, that's a big fancy scientific word, but all that is is those are um, components of cell walls. So the cells, are, the cells in our body are, um, have walls around them. Those walls are made up of phospholipids and those are made of fat. And so again, you know, thinking about the constituents that we need, building blocks for our body, you know, everybody thinks about protein, but fat's also a really important building block that our body needs. You say that, that makes me think about brain health. Is that yes. where the, okay. Oh, yeah, definitely, 100%. Brain and skin, yeah, definitely. <clears throat> then dietary fat also helps us to absorb some nutrients. And we talked about this on another show. Remember, you'd asked me about fat and vitamin absorption, mm-hmm. remember? So A, D, E, and K are the nutrients, the fat-soluble fat vitamins that we eat. And those nutrients um, require fat in order to be absorbed. So if we're not eating fat, but we're eating food that contains those nutrients, then we're not going to be absorbing them at the, at the rate that we should be. Isn't there something like more people have a vitamin D deficiency at this period in time than it ever before? I don't know about ever in history, but I definitely think that it's, it's a problem. And for a long time, it was one of those things we just didn't really even realize was a problem. And now we know that, you know, many, many people have vitamin D deficiency. And some of that is because we live our lives indoors more, right? We're mm-hmm. spending less and less time outside. And vitamin D is actually a hormone that's synthesized in our skin. In addition to what we might eat, our skin actually makes vitamin D. And um, from sunlight, it's activated. And so we're spending less time outside in the sunshine. So our bodies aren't making that vitamin D that we need. And when we're outside in the sunshine, what do we do? Sunscreen because wrinkles. (laughs) Well, and it's protective against skin cancer, and we should wear sunscreen. Oh, yeah, skin cancer too, but wrinkles. So sun, so um, so sunscreen is very effective, but it also reduces the amount of vitamin D that our skin can create from the sun sunlight that we're being exposed to. So we need to be thinking about those nutrients. And supplementation is something that we we might talk about in another show, but it's certainly something that some people need. Not everybody's going to need a vitamin D supplement, but some people will. Maybe most people. I think it, there's some research that shows that. A lot of people are vitamin D deficient. So if you're somebody who spends a lot of time inside, then you might consider whether or not you should have your vitamin D levels checked. Elderly people are definitely um, a higher risk group, too, for vitamin D deficiency because mo- many of them spend a, lo- you know, a lot of time or, or even all the time in the sun, in, inside out of the sun. But that's just interesting to think that your body needs some fat in order to be able to, to synthesize that vitamin. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yep. Um. Oh, your body doesn't need the fat to synthesize it. Your body needs the fat to absorb to it. To absorb it. Yes. Sorry. No, that's okay. <laughs> that, was, that was a great clarification. Um, and then another reason, so my number five reason, is that fat in our food provides concentrated energy for our bodies to use. Now, that goes without saying, right? Fat is an energy source that our bodies can use. Now, it's not the preferred fuel, right? Carbohydrate is actually the prefer- preferred fuel for your body. It's what your body can use most quickly. It's what your body can use 
Um, it's what your brain prefers to use is carbohydrates. That's why people who go on really low carbohydrate diets tend to have some brain fog. They have a hard time and thinking. Anger, like and <laughs> yeah, they need to eat. They need to eat a donut. No, <laughs> I'm just kidding. Of bread. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, so yeah, definitely. Um, you know, there's this this concentrated source of energy. Now, I'm not suggesting that we should be relying on fat to provide energy for our body, but it, it, the reality is that it does provide some fuel. And then the last thing is that there are some types of fat that are specifically beneficial for our cardiovascular system, for our skin, hair, nails, and for our brain, as we've already talked a little bit about. So have I convinced you that you should be eating fat? Oh, you didn't have to convince me. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, my diet probably has uh, a bit more fat than you would probably recommend, but I do like delicious food. <laughs> well, the key is to eat the right kinds and the right amounts, and so I think that's what we're gonna we're gonna dig into now. If that right, sounds good me, to you. What kind can I have? All right. I mean, I'm gonna so, have all of it, but just tell me. <laughs> <laughs> well, and all of it is okay. It's just a matter of you know proportion, yeah. right? It's about proportion. So as we think about the kinds of fat that we should be eating, um, probably the 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 kind of fat we should eat more of is gonna be unsaturated fat, which are monounsaturated fats and polyunsaturated fats. And these are the fats that you're going to find in foods like nuts, including peanuts and tree nuts, avocado, which everybody loves, right? And extra virgin olive oil and other types of vegetable oils. So both mono and polyunsaturated fats are good fats? Yeah. Okay. Absolutely. Absolutely. And the reality is in our diet, we're probably getting a little bit more polyunsaturated fats than monounsaturated fats. It's kind of, you have to be really focused to get more monounsaturated fats than polyunsaturated fats because polyunsaturated fats are just more common in our diet. So it's easier to get enough of those. And the research shows that eating more unsaturated fats, which includes all of those, is going to be the healthier way to eat fat in our diet. So you don't have to like say stay super focused no. on just trying to get monounsaturated. No, and I think that 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 creates a situation that's just tedious and not doable for most people long term. Mm -hmm. There's some research that shows that increasing your you know increasing your the amount of monounsaturated fat that you eat is probably healthier long term, but I mean I don't think that there's any conclusive evidence about how much of a difference that makes. Mm -hmm. So to me it just creates more confusion and difficulty for eating for most people. So I really focus on just unsaturated fats. Let's increase those. Let's reduce the amount of saturated fat, which is another kind of fat. Most people are eating too much saturated fat. And I know that there's a lot of controversy around saturated fat. We're not going to dig too deeply into that. And we're going to save that sort of for the end. But I think, you know, the point is that eating a diet that's higher in unsaturated fat is going to be a healthier diet. Okay. The other kind of fat that we want to be eating more often is omega-3 fatty acids. So omega-3 fatty acids you've heard of, right? Everybody's heard about it. We know that it's in fish, right? Primarily fish. Fish is going to be the best source of omega-3 fatty acids in our diet. And the recommendation from the American Heart Association is to eat fish twice a week. Most people don't do that. Any kind of fish? Well, I would say that looking for fish that are higher in omega-3 is going to be better, but any kind of fish is going to be a pretty good choice. I mean, the best choices are going to be things like salmon and sardines and even trout. Wild trout is a pretty good source of omega-3 fatty acids. Some nuts contain omega-3 fatty acids, but those are vegetarian sources of omega-3 fatty acids are not as well converted by the body into the most nutritious type of 
omega-3 fatty acids. So you say some nuts, like what? Walnuts tend to be higher when it comes to omega-3 fats. They're, walnuts are higher in all fats, aren't they? Yeah, because I, I think feel like when I put fat. those in my fitness pal, that those have the most calories. So I'm assuming they're higher in fat than than most. They but, might be, yeah, they might be slightly, but I would say that uh, that pretty much all nuts have a very similar profile, a very similar nutrient profile. So is that unsaturated fat in the walnuts? It's, it's mostly unsaturated okay. fat in nuts across the board. So okay. all nuts are going to have mostly unsaturated fat. To me, the best bang for our buck when it comes to thinking about omega-3 fatty acids is going to be in fish. Because as, you know, so omega-3 has sort of three classes of fats. There's EPA and DHA. Those are the types of fats that are in fish. EPA and DHA. DHA is the fat that we're looking for. And then um, ALA, alpha-linoleic acid, is the fat that's the omega-3 fat that's in um, vegetable sources. But the body has to convert that ALA to DHA in order to use it. So you say ALA is in vegetable sources. So I use like a flaxseed meal that I put in my protein shakes. Mm -hmm. And so that's ALA that's then converted? Yep. The body then converts it to EPA and then to DHA. So everything has to go to DHA in order for the body to use it. So... um, In fish, there's EPA and DHA. The EPA is converted to DHA, or it has straight DHA that the body can then use. So the conversion is just one thing. If if it's converting from EPA to DHA, the body only has to convert it to one type of fat. Mm -hmm. But for the vegetable sources, the body has to convert that ALA first to EPA and then to DHA in order to be able to use it. So, so about what's the conversion from, say, my flaxseed to DHA versus an EPA source to DHA? These are a lot of <laughs> letters. I know. It's, I know. It's, it's alphabet soup. So I can't tell you the conversion for EPA to DHA because I'm not sure. I don't remember off the top of my head. But I know that from what I've read, with ALA, the conversion can be as low as 15%. So it's not the best way to get in your omega-3 fats using all vegetable sources. But if you're a vegetarian, that's what you do. I mean, that's mm-hmm. what you've got, and that's fine. But the conversion is going to be as it's going to be rather inefficient. So my recommendation definitely is to focus on the fish. I mean, the fish is going to be the best place to get that. And so omega for omega-3 fatty acids for women who are, are our general audience, our girlfriends, we're looking for adult women's. You're going to be looking for about 1.1 grams of combined EPA, DHA, omega-3 fats a day. So what does that look like? If I'm trying to build my meals for a day to ensure that I'm getting that 1.1 grams, what am I eating? So a couple of, so one thing I would say is that you don't have to try to get that um, every single day. If some days you'll be, you'll be eating more, some days you may be eating less and we're looking at an average average, for for the most part. So that's one thing. And that's why eating fish twice a week can be okay. You know, I think, um, there's that sort of, um, continuity in your body. We're not looking for every single day to get everything, but, um, for the sake of the conversation, definitely, um, using a combined source of vegetarian and, um, fish based fats is going to be one way to do that. And, what is the best source of omega-3 fats is going to be salmon. Salmon is definitely the best way to get in our, our omega-3. And just three ounces of salmon, um, you get 
your total daily needs. So you've got you've got actually more than you need, probably close to 1.5 grams of omega-3 fats in three ounces of, of salmon. And most people eat more than three ounces of salmon at a time. So am I going to get that same um, nu- nutrition from, say, the salmon that I buy at my local Costco versus, you know, a wild caught that I go to Publix or Kroger or something for? Yeah, it's going to be really close. The um, the wild salmon is actually slightly lower in omega-3 fats than the um, farmed salmon. So if you look at the label and you're looking to see if you're getting farmed or you're getting wild, there are some benefits to getting wild, um, like it's lower in total fats, higher in protein. It's got a little bit of a stronger flavor. Um, You know, some people have concerns about farmed salmon. I don't have really so many concerns about farmed salmon. I think you buy what you like and what's available in your area and you're going to be fine. Um, You can also do canned salmon, which is something that, you know, I grew up eating. The amount of omega-3 fats in canned salmon is lower. I think part of that is because it's cooked, you know, it's Mm. cooked in the can and you you lose some of that by pouring off the liquid that's in the can, those kinds of things. You lose some of the fat that way. But I think it's still a really nutritious option. And then there are things like wild trout um, that's got maybe a little bit more than half as much as the salmon. And then we've got our vegetarian sources. So thinking about things like flaxseed and chia seeds, um, canola oil is actually a pretty good source of the ALA. Remember, it has to be converted. But as we're thinking about our daily consumption, you know, eating these things, even the flax meal you talked about, though the conversion is rather low, if you're eating it most days, it adds up, right? So it's all part of an overall total diet. And then if you want to take a supplement, I think supplementing is totally fine as well. You know, in my house, we do cod liver oil. Yeah. <laughs> do I say we that out loud? We actually love it. We actually love it. So we do cod liver oil, and one teaspoon is a very effective way to get your omega-3s for the day. And so my little boy, four years old, you know. I can't he, believe he drinks Oh, that. yeah. He calls it his lemon oil. He loves it. And, you know, whenever I offer it, he comes running. <laughs> So that's one way that we try to get in our um, our omega-3 fats. So we've talked a lot about the good fats, unsaturated fats and omega-3s. So let's think a little bit about the types that we should be eating less. So saturated fat is definitely one that research supports eating in lower amounts. It doesn't mean that we should avoid all sources of saturated fat or that we can't have any of it, but it definitely means that the 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 um, reducing that and replacing it with more nutritious options like unsaturated options, unsaturated fats is going to go further in helping us be healthier longer. Does that make sense? It it does, but I I never really understand what they mean by saturated versus unsaturated. Like what, what does that mean? Yeah, that's a great question. So the best way to think about saturated fat is if it's, if it's solid at room temperature, that's a saturated fat. So just oh, a so visual. The good stuff. Okay. Gotcha. <laughs> well, so we think about butter, butter coconut oil. Coconut oil. Um, we think about like the white marbling fat that's on a beef or pork mm-hmm. and the skin on chicken. Mm-hmm. All of those are saturated fat. <laughs> <laughs> so when I said the good stuff, I didn't mean like the healthy stuff. I meant the stuff that tastes amazing. <laughs> well, you know, it doesn't, again, I'm not saying that you can't have it at all, right. but it's definitely something that you want to reduce because what it does is it actually increases your total cholesterol, your total blood cholesterol, and it can increase LDL. And those two things are independent risk factors for heart disease. 
So in my case, I have a family history of heart disease and stroke. So I'm acutely aware of ways that I can reduce my risk. And this is one of the things that I can do. You know, I can't change my genetics. It's, right. It is what it is baked into me. But I can adjust my diet. And I increase my fiber and I reduce my saturated fat. I eat lots of fruits and vegetables and I try to exercise regularly. Those are the big things I can do. Oh, and I don't smoke. That's the other one. I mean, smoking is like one of those things that there's just no good reason. <laughs> it does everything bad to you. So if you can eliminate those kinds of things or reduce those kinds of things, regardless of what your genetics is, you're going to improve your outcomes. So that's the deal with saturated fat. And I'll tell you a little bit more about sort of what I eat and why. And maybe you'll be convinced that I'm not crazy when it comes to <laughs> saturated You're fat. You're not crazy. No. All of your food is good. Thank you. Well, that pea thing that you had me. <laughs> oh, the sugar snap pea. Oh, that was not good. <laughs> well, Everything else is delicious. <laughs> <laughs> well, fortunately, I didn't grow that and I didn't do anything <laughs> with it. So I won't take that to heart. So when we think about, you know, as a dietitian, I love nutrients and I love to talk about the nutrition, but I also love food, right? And at the end of the day, to me, it's really about what we're eating. It's, it's what's on the table. It's what's on the plate. It's what's in my mouth and what's in my belly that makes all the difference in this. That's how I feel when I talk to people about food and nutrition is I always want to make it about the application. So mm -hmm. what does this mean what when we think mean? about food? Right. So people ask me a lot, what kind of food should I use to cook or what kind of um, fat should I use to cook with? And I think that the answer to that me is like everything with nutrition. The answer is it depends. Mm -hmm. What are you going to do with it? You know, what are you going to do with that fat? What's the purpose of that fat in your diet and um, or in your dish? And then choose based on that. So for me, when it comes to cooking, this is what I do. And, you know, it's maybe not perfect. It may not work for everybody, but this is what I like. And this is where I think that the, the science helps me understand what works best in my kitchen and in my health. So when it comes to sautéing, and sautéing is just like pan frying with a little bit of fat, right? It's cooking something in a, in a skillet that's medium to low. It's not, you're not going to go more than medium when you're sautéing something. Sauté is a rather low cook. So this is more heat. like kind of sautéing vegetables, yeah. not necessarily searing something. Correct. Okay. Exactly. When it comes to sautéing, you're using a relatively low heat and you can use an oil that's less stable at higher heats. And we'll talk a little bit about what that means, but... Um, fats that work well with sauteing are things like extra virgin olive oil. You know, extra virgin olive oil has a lot of flavor. It's perfect for finishing, but you can use it for sauteing. I wouldn't use it above medium heat because it'll break down and start to smoke and it won't taste good and it'll create some unhealthy components that I want to avoid. But when I'm sauteing on a low heat or a low to medium heat, to me, that's a really good one. It adds a lot of flavor and I really like it. So I use extra virgin olive oil for almost all of my cooking um, when it comes to on the stove because mm -hmm. I don't usually use very very high heat. But you can also use things like safflower oil, canola oil, sunflower oil, and even green peanut oil, which is a relatively newcomer, um, but is also a really great finishing oil because it doesn't, it still contains some of the protein. And that's the thing with extra virgin olive oil, it still contains some of the original fruit juices from the oil, or excuse me, from the olive. Mm -hmm. That's a little different than um, a refined olive oil. So you said that the canola oil is also a source of omega-3. Are you getting any of that if you cook with it? <clears throat> yes, you are. Cool. Yes. Yeah, because otherwise, how else would you get it? You're not going to drink canola oil. <gasps> you know, I've actually had people tell me that they do that they do take a tablespoon of extra virgin olive oil a day as a supplement. They actually drink it. They actually take a, and you know, I mean, that's 
that's one thing to do. I mean, I soak bread in it. <laughs> <laughs> that doesn't seem too weird to me. I mean, it, it, I don't know that I would take it with a spoon, but right, you know, put it on a piece of crusty bread. And... Right, <laughs> right, and I like that. I like that, but uh, but to me, that's about flavor, and and it's about the um, it's about the experience of enjoying yeah, that food. Yeah, you know, that's true. It's not. I don't think of it as a supplement. To me, that's just adding a lot of calories by taking it as a, like taking a teaspoon of it. But hey, oh wow, how many calories is in a teaspoon of hundred? like a hundred that's not true where's my it's phone like are you serious it's like 100. i think it's like a hundred i have to look it up well we'll get back to you <laughs> so um okay so that's sauteing when it comes to frying frying is high heat right i don't i don't fry a lot i'm not gonna lie i don't do a lot of frying in my house but if i'm gonna fry something and occasionally i do i'm gonna use peanut oil refined peanut oil is actually a great oil to high heat cook in because it is very tolerant to heat it you can cook it like 450 degrees with peanut oil before you have any breaking down so anything that you fry Use yeah, oil. because highly refined peanut oil doesn't have any real flavor. It doesn't add any flavor to the dish. It doesn't change the way that the food tastes. So for me, I like a highly refined peanut oil for that application. Does it work? The, so I use vegetable oil when I fry. I don't fry a lot either because I just don't like the way that it makes yeah. the house smell. Yeah. Um, but so vegetable oil versus peanut oil. Peanut oil is still more stable. Um, you know, I can't say exactly, but I, I, cause I haven't looked at that in a long, long time, but Mm. for my, for me, because I do it so rarely, I would prefer using the peanut oil cause you've got one type of fat. I know what it tastes like. I know what it, what it, um, I know how it operates for me in the kitchen. So for me, my experience says that I like the highly refined peanut oil. That doesn't mean that there aren't other other oils, especially combinations of oils that couldn't work well. The so thing vegetable about, oil is a combination of oil? Yeah, vegetable oil is a mixture of usually um, soy, corn, and maybe canola. I think it's... it's what did I think it was? <laughs> <laughs> I'm just listening to myself ask that question. I'm like, wait a minute. What what did I think it was? <laughs> yeah, peanut oil is a little more expensive. So you're going to buy like a solid, you know, um, a, a totally highly refined peanut oil and no other fats added to it. It's going to be a more expensive oil. And that's why I think a lot of people use vegetable oil instead because it's less expensive. And at the end of the day, you get a similar, you get a similar outcome. I just mm-hmm. prefer the peanut oil. It's a clean taste. I don't know. I like it. That's what I use. It's also a heart healthy fat. So, you know, peanut oil we know is also a heart heart healthy fat. And then for baking, okay, for baking. <laughs> Why do I always get my voice so deep when I say stuff like that? Anyway, because it's butter. There you go. So it depends. So with baking, it depends. But butter is my preferred fat for but for baking. I mean, I like the way that it tastes. And I think that it it um, it does everything I want it to do. So I like butter for biscuits. I like butter for bread. I like butter for pretty much everything I like to use um, to bake. I use butter. Do you use um, like a vegetable shortening or no? No, I don't usually use that. Even um, in biscuits? No, I don't like the way it tastes. I prefer butter. I prefer 100% butter biscuit. Yeah. Yeah, I'm a, like a butter That's girl. That's amazing because your biscuits are nice and fluffy yeah. and big. How are you doing that with just butter? You're going to have to drop a recipe. Okay, I can I can do my best. Yeah. The main thing is like don't overwork your dough. That's the key to good biscuits is don't overwork your dough. No matter what you're using, it's don't overwork your dough. You know, you don't – if you overwork your dough, it never rises as beautifully. The other thing is – okay, this is like a – write this down because this is like the <laughs> secret is when you cut your biscuits – Push down and don't turn. Push down with your cutter and don't turn. 
if you turn, you're pressing those layers together. But if you just cut straight down and lift straight up, you're not pressing them together and it rises better. Because I'm sitting here seeing myself going, you know, chunking down and then right twist, left twist, uh-huh. and then picking it up. And it seems like that's the right movement, but don't twist. Don't twist. Just down and up. Down and up. Yeah. Give it a try. Let me know what you think. Okay. And then that recipe though. Okay, you got it. The (laughs) other thing is that you know, with baking, some some recipes need different kinds of fat. So butter, while I love it and I use it preferentially in my baking, it doesn't always work. It's not always the best application. So sometimes I use other oils. So for instance, when I make um, banana bread, I don't use butter. I use oil because it's already a really moist dish. It's the flavor is primarily going to be from the um, the bananas. I don't need another flavor in there. I use oil. So I'll use whatever oil that I have purchased for that time of my my cooking experiences so I kind of go through different kinds of vegetable Mm -hmm, type mm -hmm. oils most of what I buy is canola oil Um, and then you know sometimes I have mixtures Um, there's a product on the market that has a mixed oil that has omega-3 fatty acids added to it and I like that product because I don't use liquid oils a lot in cooking outside of um, extra virgin olive oil but when I do it's nice to get a little bonus so when we think about again those omega-3 fatty acids that add up over the you know daily kind of use I'm not getting a lot of omega-3s when I'm using that product but any bit counts, right? So why do you use that product versus just using olive oil? Because, um, well, because I'm not looking for the flavor of the olive oil. Gotcha. A couple things. I don't want the flavor of the olive oil. You know, extra virgin olive oil is very strong flavor. And I don't want that added to my banana bread as an example. But the other thing is it's expensive, mm-hmm. right? So extra virgin olive oil is expensive. And I don't want to use it in an application where I'm really not looking to get that flavor. Gotcha. Yep. So then comes the big old question of what about coconut oil? (laughs) Which is also delicious. (laughs) Ah, The magic coconut oil. Everybody loves coconut oil. And hey, listen, I like coconut oil. I'm not a I'm not a coconut oil hater. I think that some coconut oil in your diet is probably totally fine. It's like butter. It's no problem. But the internet says (laughs) coconut oil can make my skin perfect. It can and do great things for my hair. Oh yeah, if you apply it to your skin and your hair. and what else oh, does D, it fix? stop it <laughs> it'll make me lose weight it's gonna do all of these great things for yeah me, so it's also like 80 percent saturated fat and so I think that you know on the whole like the American Heart Association has come out with a statement about coconut oil and and just pointing out the fact that nutritionally it's probably not the best choice for most of the fat that we're eating. So I would say that if you're looking for that coconut oil flavor or if you're doing high heat cooking, so when you're doing like when I'm doing stir frying on very high heat, sometimes I use coconut oil, especially if I'm making a curry or I'm making oh, a it's amazing in curry. It is, yeah. and I love the way that it tastes and it's very good with high heat. So um so I use it in those applications and it works great. And I really like it and I use it for those applications, but I don't use it as my preferred oil because I think there's really great research that supports um, olive oil as a as a preferred heart healthy oil. So I use that as my as my preferred oil on a daily basis. And I and I use coconut oil when I want that flavor, when I want that additional something that it offers. It can be really good in vegan baking too. So if you're a vegan and you're looking for something to replace butter that that adds some of that yeah, same. Yeah, I could see that. Yeah, it's actually functionally very a very good sup substitute for butter, but it does add the flavor of sort of the coconutty nest that you may or may not want in your biscuits, for example. 
Yeah, I went through a period in my life where I was doing the like fatty coffee, uh-huh. and it was so delicious, like <laughs> coffee and butter, and you know, a tablespoon of coconut oil or coconut, yeah, coconut oil, and it just in the blender, it was frothy, it was delicious. And then I asked myself one day, like, I'm drinking 300 and some odd calories of coffee. And I'm hungry and I'm eating on top of that. Is this good? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think that there's some people who argue that the fat that's in coconut oil is a certain type of fat that's burned more efficiently as fuel. And, you know, that's probably true. But at the end of the day, if you're taking in way too many calories in one day, it's still not going to benefit you in the long run. So I would say, you know, there are good applications for coconut oil. If you like it, you can use it. But I don't recommend it as the preferred oil that you use. And I would never put it in coffee. I just think that, you know, let's use cream. Like so good. <laughs> Cream is good too, though. Yeah, absolutely. And I would say you mentioned skin and hair. And I actually love coconut oil for my skin. I use it on my feet, especially in the winter. And I, it, it is just the best moisturizer. So I love it for those applications. And I do. I use it in my, I use a mixture of oils in my hair. And yeah. coconut oil is one of those. Yeah. And it's amazing. It's a yes. great moisturizer. And it smells really good. Mm -hmm. And anecdotally, this is my N equals one story. I have a certain type of eczema that comes and goes. And if I get my, if that eczema starts and I start to apply coconut oil to my skin, I can stop an eczema flare. Oh, that's amazing. I would never say like for anybody else that that would work, except for I would say that worked for me and Mm -hmm. it's worth trying because it's a cheap experiment on yourself and it works really well for me if I find that I'm having a little bit of a problem with that. So we've talked a lot about all different kinds of oils, and um, I do want to just say that there definitely are times and places when you can use the kinds of fats that some people think they're going to miss if they start to eat healthier. So I'm a Southern Fried Girlfriend, and the question people ask is, can I still eat butter or cream or bacon? Bacon. (laughs) And and the answer for me is absolutely yes. If you love those foods, you can definitely still eat them. And you think about with Southern cooking, like the, the base is bacon fat right. for so many of our recipes. Right. right. I mean, I grew up in a household where there was a little jar on the stove that, you know, when the bacon was fried, the fat was poured into the jar and a lid was put on it. And then when something else was cooked later, a little spoon was dug in and a little bacon oh, fat was I, added. I, I have that. I have a yeah. cup in my refrigerator right now just because, <laughs> and I'm sure it would be fine sitting out, but just something I can't do that. But yeah, I, yeah. if I make bacon, it goes in that little cup and uh-huh. goes in the fridge and right. I'm like making some cabbage or something, I'll put a little spoon in there. Right. So good. And add it as flavor. I mean, it's totally fine. I think that, you know, in, in the South, is something we do. And I think there's nothing wrong with adding a little bit of bacon fat every once in a while or to the foods that we eat some of the time. It's just a matter of thinking about proportion. Mm-hmm. It's really, as we think about nutrition, you know, I always think about like the 80-20 rule, you know, it's kind of if 80% of the time I'm eating really good, nutritious, solid foods, then 20% of the time I can eat most of what I want and not have to worry about it, not be a big issue for me. And I think that way about fat too, you know, I mean, if you love bacon, you don't have to give up bacon in order to be healthy. If you like cream, you can have it and butter, you can still have it. It's just about having it in the right amounts. You can't have all of it you want all of the time, every day, you know, we can't do the bathtub of butter and still be healthy. (laughs) (laughs) But you can still have it in the, in you know, in some of the foods that you love. 
the main thing to keep in mind and what helps me is thinking about I'm not a calorie counter, but it's helpful for me to remember that fat has twice as many calories as protein and carbohydrates. So that means I need to eat at least half, you know, I need to eat at least, you know, less of that than I, than I should be eating of those other things. So to me, like 30% of your calories from fat is probably fine. 30% of your calories is around a third. So again, thinking about two times as many calories as protein and carbohydrates. And it would still feel satisfying. Right. Yeah. Right. Right. So think about moderation and proportion, focus on healthier fats as we've talked about and using the right kind of fat for the right applications. And I think in general, you'll be happy with the fat in your diet and there's no reason to get rid of it. What do you think? I think that's great because I'm not getting rid of it. So <laughs> it's great. <laughs> Me either. Me I feel either. so sad for those people like in the eighties yeah. who were dieting and just Ugh. like no fat. Oh my god! Yeah, I was that so kid. Sad. I was Were that you? kid. Oh yeah, as a teenage oh. girl in the '80s for sure. Yeah, I drank skim milk then, and yeah, like the, all the fat-free everything. I don't know because I thought it was healthier. You oh. know, everybody. My health teacher told me it was healthier. I think everybody believed it. So, so skim milk is not necessarily healthier than well, say a whole milk. Again, it goes back to your whole overall diet, right? I mean, in my case, I eat an almost vegetarian diet. I eat very little meat. And so to me, you know, reducing the fat in dairy is really about reducing saturated fat, helping to reduce saturated fat in your diet. So if you eat everything and you eat red meat and, you know, then maybe eating, you know, drinking lower fat milk is going to be a better choice for you and helping to reduce your total saturated fat in your total diet. But for me, because I don't eat those foods that are typically high in saturated fat, I feel fine with drinking my whole milk. And I don't worry about it because I don't drink a ton of it. But what I drink, I enjoy, and I do it in moderation. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. All right. Well, we have definitely talked about fat in all kinds of ways today. <laughs> and I hope that people have found this to be helpful and informative and encouraging. And if you have questions, you can definitely reach out to us at southernfriedgirlfriends at gmail.com. Give us your comments. If you don't like something we said, you can let us know that too. We don't mind. We may not respond. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> we definitely want to hear your input. We'll say bless your heart. Bless your no, heart. No, no, <laughs> Thank you so much for being part of this show today. Dee, thanks for everything you do and helping make a great show happen. And thank you for the information, Sherry. I think this is really helpful. Oh, good. Well, we appreciate you listening to us today on the Southern Fried Girl Friends podcast. And Dee, we have one question left, and that's the question we end every show with. What are you going to do today to be healthier? I am going to go and walk Kennesaw Mountain. Oh! Um, I love to hike, and it's been, I don't like to be outside when it's super hot or super mm. cold, so today is a nice mild day, yeah, and so I'm going to go and walk the mountain. Good for you. That's awesome. Well, this is my prep day. So today my healthy choice is going to be prepping for the week to come. So I went grocery shopping this morning and I got to get my vegetables prepped this afternoon so that this week we can have an easier, healthier week of meals. <laughs> yeah. So, well, thanks so much again for listening. We really appreciate y'all. Have a Thank great day. All righty. Bye-bye. Hey, girl, this is Sherry again. I just wanted to say thank you so much for listening to the show. If you haven't already, please be sure to subscribe and take a minute to write a review. It really helps other people find the show. And if you enjoy the content, share it with your favorite girlfriends. Dee and I want this to be an opportunity for you to be part of the conversation. So we're adding an Ask the Dietitian feature. To do that, we need your questions. Please send those to us at southernfriedgirlfriends at gmail.com. 
I can't wait to hear your questions and comments. Thanks again for being part of this journey with us. 